good afternoon and welcome to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz here as always with the lovely and talented Jeff Simmons. Jeff, how you doing? Great to see you, Celeste. It's our final day together in the studio. You miss me yet? <laughs> I'm always going to miss you. By the way, folks, you were just listening to Let's Talk with John Kane. Always love that he leads into our show. Always great uh, great to hear. So, yeah, so Jeff is telling the truth. Actually, I am going through some big life changes, actually, getting married, moving. So this is going to be my final in-studio program, my final in-studio edition of Driving Forces with Jeff. And it's a, kind of an emotional moment. I'll try to keep it together. There might, on even, the air. there might even be a few surprises today, but we'll get to them. Yes. Well, I, I prepared myself for <laughs> surprises, but uh, this is a, also a special day because we are trying to have more guests for you in studio, and we have one with us right now. We are glad to welcome uh, New York State Senator Andrew Gennardis, who represents uh, the 22nd State Senate District. That's Bay Ridge, Diker Heights, Bensonhurst, Bath Beach, Gravesend, Garrison Beach, Manhattan Beach, and Marine Park. So, Senator, welcome to WBAI. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to be with you both. Hey, it's great to be in studio with you. Thank you for coming in. Yeah. Absolutely. So if uh, if the senator is not your senator, uh, you may know him uh, by reputation as the man who ousted one uh, Marty Golden, uh, longtime Republican member of the uh, New York State Legislature, uh, who was around for quite a long time, covered him actually when I was up in Albany. Uh, so uh, the senator that we have here today, of course, representing kind of a new era in uh, how Albany works, or does he? We're going to find out. Yeah, and this had been a number. This had been a number of uh, races that were uh, the state Democrats had had focused on. I remember it also, if I'm correct, like the Republicans were very focused on trying to keep Marty Golden in that race. Yeah, uh, and in his seat, which he served in since what was it, 2003, even earlier than that, 2003. Yep. He uh, he for won his election in 2002, so he took office in 2003. So for our listeners, uh, you know, as Celeste noted, uh, if you know you're not their senator uh, for broader New York City, you know, and beyond. To tell folks about you, a little about your history, where you grew up. Sure, sure. So uh, I was born and raised in uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I spent nearly my entire life living in Bay Ridge. You know, I went to uh, my local Greek parochial school, went to my local zoned high school, Fort Hamilton High School, where my sister, my brother, and my mother went, and we all had the same English teacher, um, which is a very Bay Ridge thing to have uh, to experience. Um, and the name of that teacher? Uh, Mr. D'Ambrosio. Mr. D'Ambrosio. Yeah, yes. Pop quiz. A few pop quiz questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm prepared. I got I got all answers. You know, um, he he has since retired. Uh, fantastic English teacher, and um, was really a great school. Also, the school that graduated uh, Attorney General Letitia James, as well as uh, Janet Yellen, former chairwoman of the Federal Reserve. So real powerhouse there at Fort Hamilton. Um, I went to Hunter College. I was a CUNY student, really proud Hunter graduate. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be returning to Hunter this fall to teach a class uh, in the political science department on the law of democracy, which I'm very excited about, all about voting rights and campaign finance laws and gerrymandering and all that great stuff. I love that stuff. I, I might want to take that course, actually. Uh, you're more than welcome to come and audit will, it will there be yeah. a, I would say, will there be an online component just since she'll be in Boston? I'll, have to well, take I'll figure out a way to tape my lectures the for you. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I've worked in and around government for the last uh, twelve or fifteen years. I started out working for the city council, my local city councilman uh, Vincent Gentili, when he was in office. Uh, I spent some time in D.C. working on Capitol Hill. I worked for Senator Robert Menendez. Uh, started out answering phones, and I worked my way up to being a legislative aide. I uh, went to law school in D.C. at George Washington University Law School. Came back home. I missed the pizza and bagels of Brooklyn. Uh, D.C. is a fun town, but when you grow up in Bay Ridge, there's a pizzeria on every corner, a bagel shop every other corner. It's just different. Um, so it was time to come back home, and I went to work at a nonprofit called Citizens Committee for New York City. And then for the last five years prior to my election, I served as general counsel for the Brooklyn Borough President, for uh, Eric Adams. So what made you actually want to run? And this is something that we talk about with, with a lot of the elected officials that we have on the program. It's, you know, obviously... People do public service in a lot of different ways, but certainly in this climate especially, uh, running for public office is tough. You expose yourself to uh, a lot of criticism, shall we say. Yeah, you know, um, 
like I said, I, because I was born and raised in the neighborhood and I went back to the neighborhood after I came back from D.C., uh, I just kept seeing things over and over again that I thought needed a stronger voice, uh, things that needed to get done that weren't being done. And, uh, you know, the greatest example of that would have been pedestrian safety issues, the speed camera program uh, that those of our listeners who were following last year knew that the speed camera program in school zones had expired there was this big Herculean effort to ex- renew it and expand it and then just renew it, uh, and, and that failed uh, because the Republicans in the Senate, led by Marty Golden in this case, um, just didn't want to support expansion, uh, renewing the program. The cameras were turned off for a couple weeks over the summer. The governor had to step in and put in an executive order to keep them running. That became my signature issue. And this is an issue that I've been working on for years. So uh, I was, you know, helpful. I was at the very start of the pilot program to create speed cameras in school zones six years ago. So it was an issue that I felt very passionately about. I thought that uh, Marty wasn't taking it seriously enough. And so I would. I would. And that's why I ran. Which is interesting because he was a police officer, as I recall, before he was a, a senator. That's correct. That's correct. Now, you also ran against Golden back in 2012. Correct. What were the conditions you think this time that propelled you to victory that you didn't have that didn't exist the last time in 2012? Uh, you know, I can point to a whole number of things. I would say the biggest and chief among those, I was a different candidate. I was a, I was six years ago. I was 26 when I first ran. Like, what did I know about running for office at 26 for state senate? You know, uh, I did better than anyone thought I could do. But really, um, you know, I think having more experience, more time in the community to build deeper roots and really have a track record to run on and to really find my voice. Um, which I think is really important for anyone that wants to run for office to know why they're running and to know what, where that you know what's going to propel them day in and day out, waking up at seven in the morning or going out to a subway station at seven in the morning, shaking hands all day. You need to know the right reasons why. And um, I was just more mature. Um, it didn't help. It didn't hurt, of course, that we had this big blue wave that came out uh, last year as well. Uh, the turnout in my district last year surpassed our 2016 presidential turnout, uh, which was incredible, uh, and that really helped carry me over the top, um, uh, which helped put me to, through victory. Oh, no, go ahead, Celeste. No, so, this uh, is, today, uh, I'm deferring to you as yeah. much as possible. <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Well, we should have, we should have straightened that out like six months ago. Um, just kidding. But uh, no, Senator, actually, I am curious. Uh, you know, how do people react differently to you? Do they talk to you about... Uh, sort of being a different kind of leader for the district you hanging out with marty golden you guys get pizza or what you know no we don't really hang out um we don't get pizza together uh I, you know we see each other every now and then throughout the, across the community um i i do think that there is a difference though in terms of how people feel uh at, at least the people that i really uh, spent a lot of time working with and engaging with and organizing and bringing out to vote last year uh we have a very diverse district uh in you know nearly 40 percent of my of my district are um, non-white immigrants um and they for so long felt like they had no voice they felt like no one they, they had nowhere to turn to on issues that they cared about whether it was the Muslim ban, I have represent the largest Yemeni community in the city, one of the largest Arabic communities in the state, um, you know, a very, very large and growing Chinese American community, very sizable Russian community. You know, these are pop communities that, you know, didn't feel like they had anyone to go to. And uh, I was there. I was there to listen. I was there to work with them. And I think now that I'm in office with their help, they feel like they finally have some support um, that will always be there with them side by side. And I think that's really, really important. You're listening uh, to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Jeff Simmons, joined by my co-host Celeste Katz and New York State Senator Andrew Gonardis. In about uh, another five or so minutes, we're going to open up the phone lines, continue our conversation with the senator, but uh, we're going to start taking your calls, issues that you'd like to raise uh, with the senator as well, issues, anything that is on your mind. Uh, Try to keep it on topic, though, when possible. Uh, the number to call is 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. And Senator, what are we talked about some of the issues that you've been focusing on. And, um, you know, I've been a local reporter, covered City Hall, covered the Capitol. Actually, I was just thinking about being in the, the LCA, being mm-hmm. up in Albany. Um, but we also talk about national policy issues here on this program. And uh, New York, obviously, is a really... Uh, a big focal point for for national Mm -hmm. issues. So I'd be curious to know what you think of what New York State is or is not doing uh, in terms of the Trump administration, in terms of 
issues like sanctuary city policies or uh, aid to uh, to immigrants or uh, funding education? Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's definitely a great question, and it really speaks to the. Uh, how local elections and why local elections matter. Because if you had asked this question last year with a Republican-controlled state Senate, it'd be a much, much different answer. Because uh, you know the state government was limited in ways that it could actually pass um, and move forward on policies that are meant to be um, in response to what's happening down, at the, uh, down in D.C. at the federal level. Uh, so I think now with democratic control of the Senate, the Assembly, and of course the Governor's Chamber, we've done a tremendous amount to really fight back and push back against the Trump administration. Uh, one of the greatest examples is, you know, I, I know um, we, we, we passed this bill to authorize release of the Trump tax returns, right? Uh, President Trump won't release his tax returns. We have copies of them here in the State Department of Finance. We can turn them over for if a congressional committee asks us for them, right? That, that's that's a small but really significant example of what we can be doing. Um, for, for my part, what I've tried to really focus on is uh, you know, staying away from the national you know, uh, echo chamber, but really respond to local issues that, that, that are affecting my community because of these national policies. You know, I mentioned the Muslim ban earlier today. Um, I represent a very large Yemeni American community, families who are literally torn apart by what's happening back over in Yemen, um, so few waivers have been granted across the country uh, under the Muslim ban. I'm incredibly proud to say that I've been able to help secure two of them in my community alone. I think there's been about 1,100 nationwide, two of them in Brooklyn through my office. Like That's a way that we can respond to the, the vileness and the, and the awfulness and the ugliness of the Trump administration and their policies and their rhetoric and actually try to help people in the moment, in the now. Uh, without getting caught up in a Twitter war over who said this or who said that or, you know, whatever. Um, and that's really where I'm trying to focus on. How do you think the governor's doing on that? How do you think that Mayor de Blasio is doing on that, on pushing it back against some of the Trump administration policies that New Yorkers are not cool with? Yeah, I think uh, elected officials in New York, we are we have no shortage of elected officials who are really standing up to President Trump. I mean, honestly, he, he's an easy punching bag, right? So anyone can get ahead by punching back at the president. Um, though I do think, you know, starting with last year, the, the governor has been very forceful in pushing and talking about how Trump's economic policies are hurting New Yorkers. He was very effective in saying that on the campaign trail. I know he's continued to say that now. Uh, same thing with the mayor really going after the Trump administration as his policies have affected people here in New York City. Um, and so I, I, I give them both high marks, uh, as well as our attorney general and other folks as well who really are taking a stand. And again, it's not just rhetoric. It's actually taking concrete actions to push back. So, uh, yeah, I want to bring up a Twitter exchange. You were responsive immediately today that took uh, place uh, when we posted on our Twitter uh, platform that you were going to be here on City Watch. And a member of the New York Post editorial board, Michael Benjamin, had uh, wanted us to ask you to talk about heavier penalties and prison terms for impaired and speeding motorists who kill cyclists, pedestrians, and other motorists. Your response was, I'm already on it. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So, just this past weekend uh, on Sunday, I'm sure many of you know or have heard. There was a cyclist who was killed on Coney Island Avenue. Uh, if you've seen the video, it's just absolutely horrific. You have this driver who sped through two lights now, apparently, uh, ran through a red light, T-boned another car that had the light. That car skidded across the intersection and pinned this cyclist to the wall. Um, and the, the driver was released without any charges being pressed. Uh, and it is very difficult under state law, under, under the criminal law, to prosecute drivers who engage in this insanely reckless and dangerous behavior. Um, you know, their vehicular manslaughter, you think that'd be a natural charge, only applies in cases of intoxication. It does not apply in this case. Hmm. So the charge that's most commonly used is criminally negligent homicide, which is a charge that uh, prosecutors are very reluctant to bring, and it's very hard to win those cases in court, which further is the cycle as to why they they they're hesitant to bring these these charges and so what happens is you have this great miscarriage of justice where this driver who was by any reasonable measure in, engaged in incredibly dangerous behavior will not be held liable for taking the life of another person so i am working with advocates and attorneys and experts to try to figure out what the best way to close that gap in legal coverage is to make sure that we go after those really really bad reckless drivers so how does that fit in with um Vision Zero, that was supposed to be the big, broad plan for reducing pedestrian deaths. And, um, you know, certainly uh, I'm not trying to use anecdotal evidence to explain what's going on in the city at large, but I, have, I happen to live in Manhattan and I live at an intersection where there is now a constant police presence 
because so many people have been hurt just crossing the street. What what do you think is happening with Vision Zero? Does that need to be, uh, you know, sort of tossed out and we need to start over? Or what's going on with that? No, you know, we've made really great strides under Vision Zero, but, uh, you know, it hasn't gotten us all the way to where we need to be. Uh, 2017, Brooklyn actually saw a significant increase in pedestrian fatalities over the prior year, whereas the other boroughs had seen a decrease. Uh, I don't recall the numbers for last year's off the top of my head. Um, so it's not a perfect solution. It's worked really well, uh, but we still have a lot more to do. I think the legislation that the city council passed for the complete safe streets design uh, is really, really going to uh, make a big difference here. This is a solution that requires multiple, a problem that requires multiple solutions. It's not going to be solved by putting a cop on every corner. It's not going to be solved by putting a bike lane on every street. It's not going to be solved by, you know, putting a camera everywhere. It's going to be solved holistically and comprehensively by all these things together. Uh, and that's why we have to look at every option on the table and every tool in the toolbox to really uh, make our streets safe and then go after these really, really, really dangerous and reckless drivers, which is why I'm looking at this legislation. And as we continue to talk with uh, Senator Andrew Gennardis, we want to let you know the phone lines are now open. If you've got a question for the senator or something, an issue you think that the state Senate should focus on, please give us a call at 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Yeah, we've already just in the first uh, the first few minutes of the program, we've already brought up a lot of stuff. But how do you think New York State is doing on pushing back against Trump administration policies uh, that uh, New Yorkers don't like, that, that we don't care about, uh, you know, don't care for? Uh, how do you think uh, the state and the city are doing in terms of uh, keeping people safe on the roads? Again, we're talking about Vision Zero. We're talking about pedestrian deaths. I remember when I was first a reporter at the Daily News, uh, one of our big projects right when I got there was a, uh, a series of pieces about uh, Queens Boulevard, which we call the Boulevard, of, the death. Boulevard of Death. And that involved uh, literally going out there and timing how long it took to get across these you know, lanes and lanes of traffic if you're older, if you're disabled, uh, you know, and now everything is much more complicated by changing the traffic patterns. Uh, uh, bike lanes are a big issue. I'm pretty sure people uh, love to talk about bike lanes. <laughs> At least that was my experience as a reporter. 212 209-2877 is the number, 212-209-2877. So you're on a number of committees. Uh, I want to get it correct. You are chair of the Education Committee or you're a member of the Education I'm Committee? I'm a member of the New York City Education Committee. So obviously one of the issues that uh, dominated uh, the education discussion over this past year had been uh, regarding uh, the specialized uh uh, test to get into schools like Stuyvesant and, and the mayor came up with his plan. Uh, tell me your views on that. Tell our listeners what you think should happen because that, that didn't go anywhere by the end of the uh, end of the session. Right. Um, you know, so this is a proposal the mayor uh, released last year to change admissions to the specialized high schools. Um, I have been opposed to the mayor's plan. Uh, I don't think I think it's a political solution that is, is really just window dressing. Uh, it only affects one percent of the entire student body in the city of New York. And there is no disagreement that New York City is one of the most segregated school systems in the entire country. Um, and he's spending all this political capital to really focus on one percent of the student body while saying and doing absolutely nothing for the other 99%. I think we need a more holistic approach to address systemic uh, segregation in our school system. We need to be doing a hell of a lot more to improve the quality of our middle schools in this city. Um, and as someone who did not go to a specialized high school, but last November just won election to public office, I have to say we can do really well if we go to if we build up really strong local public high schools. Um, and I think that we need to be focusing on making every high school in this city a school that a parent would be incredibly proud to send their kid to, regardless if it's specialized or not. That's the vision we need. That's the, that's where we need to be going. And I haven't seen that yet. Do you think that Carranza's leadership is strong enough to make that happen or that it's time for a new chancellor? Um, I'll tell you, in my district, the chancellor's comments um, about the specialized high school and the rhetoric that's come out on this um, makes him uh, not the best messenger to talk about how we improve the school system. There is a strong lack of trust from all the parents in my district. There is a feel of betrayal um, by the parents in my district. Uh, 
you know, it's no secret, you know, about 25% of the students at the specialized schools come from the school districts that are represented, districts 20, mm-hmm. 21, 22. And we can have a conversation about what it's going to take to fix our school system, but you have to tell these parents who have given their everything to get their kids into the best schools possible what it means for them, and we haven't really seen that. And so in the absence of that open communication, parents are distrustful. So if you are uh, listening and you want to weigh in on any of these uh, subjects, specialized schools, road safety, what the state is doing, give us a call, 212-209-2877. This is Driving Forces on WBAI New York. Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons here in studio today with State Senator Andrew Gennardis. And I think we have somebody on the line. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? I know I'm not a New York uh, citizen, uh, resident. I'm calling from Freehold. But we're talking about pushing back against Trump. Mm-hmm. One of my friends was uh, walking on Canal Street last week, and she was stopped by ICE. She's an American citizen because she's Indian and has brown skin. She was asked by ICE who she was and had to produce her identification. What is the senator doing about that? Okay, thank you very much for your call. We certainly do appreciate it, and we're going to throw that question to the senator now. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you very much for that call, and I'm, I'm very sorry on, uh, on behalf of your friend that you had to experience that. This is a big, big problem. There is a deep fear that exists in our immigrant communities, or even our non-immigrant communities, but our communities of color, um, uh, with the this crackdown on immigration. We saw just last week ICE tried to get into a homeless shelter without a warrant. I mean, we're talking about open and flagrant violations of people's constitutional rights. Um, so what we are trying to do on our end through my office, again, connecting the big national problem in a very local way, we have engaged in a robust uh, outreach campaign to the, all the different community members in my district, especially those who come from immigrant populations and backgrounds, uh, educate them on their rights, tell them what they can do and what they can't do if someone knocks on their door, tell them what they can or can't do uh, if someone comes into their place of business, their market, their restaurant, whatever, arm them with the tools necessary. We have lawyers who are coming to give these presentations weekly. We've done two of these already. I think we have two more scheduled. We're doing it in multiple languages. And uh, I, th- I really think because we can't be everywhere and I can't be everywhere in my district when these things are happening, I want to arm my constituents with every ounce of knowledge they need to protect themselves and defend themselves. Um, we had uh, kind of a scare a couple weeks ago where we thought there may have been an ice raid in Bay Ridge. It turns out that there was not the case. That was um, the, the weekend event. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were on the phones right away, following up, reaching out, working with the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs um, to really just coordinate a response. Thankfully, we didn't need to escalate that, but my office is hyper-attuned to what's happening on the ground, and we are trying to be as responsive as possible on this. And we've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind? Hi, welcome to BAI. Hi. Hi, what's your name and what's on your mind? My name is Nettie. My name is Nettie, and I'm from, from Queens, and I'm calling because I want to talk to the representative. And what's your question for Senator Gennardis? I have more than one. Okay, if we can, I, I have, oh, the phones are lighting it up, so go ahead with one. Okay, the first one is, when he talks about the 1%, it's not about percentages, it's about what's right for education in New York City. As he just said, it's very segregated, and those who can't afford to send their children to receive extra care and education so that they can get it into get into these high uh, uh, schools of science and Brooklyn Tech and and so forth and so on it is very unfair that those who can't afford that because that's what they're doing mm-hmm. those who can't afford that are left out of so, the equation so Nettie if you, I just want to jump in here for one second so what is your question for the senator so that he can give you a direct answer well, I feel that he is looking at only the percentages, and the, and the percentages is not fair, are not fair. Just to look at one aspect is not fair. So, and then as, in terms of the... So is your question I, maybe what, what he could do differently or what you would like to... For him to open up, be open, and to look at the situation more than from one perspective of just percentages. 
Okay. Thank you very much. And we certainly do appreciate your call, yeah, Senator. No, Nettie, thank you very much. And, you know, my, my, the point I'm, I was making is this this is a deep, this is a very, very big problem. And think about all of the column inches that have been filled and all of the effort and, and uh, energies put into addressing just nine schools in a system of 1.1 million school students that educates only 25, about 25,000 students out of 1.1 million. I think all of this effort and energy should be re- Directed to making sure that we end segregation in our schools across the vast majority of our schools. If we were serious about this problem, we'd be tackling this at a neighborhood by neighborhood level. We'd be working to improve every single middle school and every single public high school. But we haven't heard a word about that um, coming from our education leaders. Instead, we have uh, an effort at the last minute. Uh, the week before the legislative session is meant to end to change the policy at just nine schools in the city and really just three schools in the city because the other six can be changed by the mayor whenever he wants. It's really just three schools we're talking about. I wish and I hope and I think all of this effort should be placed on fixing schools for everybody, not just for the smallest sliver of students in the entire system. Okay, great. And remember, we are still taking your calls here at WBAI, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. If you have a question for State Senator Andrew Gennardis, we are going to try to get to as many of your calls as we can. So if you can keep it uh, bright and tight, that would be great. <laughs> WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Hi, welcome to BAI. Hi. Hi, what's um, on, what's your name and what's on your mind? Um, my name is Kristen, and I actually was just really interested in, we've talked a lot on the program about mayoral or citywide initiatives, um, and as a state representative, I just kind of find it interesting, or I'm curious about how closely or how hand-in-glove do city-level representatives work with state-level representatives, and how does that uh, information pipeline or policy pipeline uh, thank you hey great thank you so much yeah, for your call thank you Kristen uh, you know I think there there's no one answer to that question um, I, I think every elected official or every government official probably handles that differently I can tell you from my perspective uh, I'm in constant contact with all of my local city council members I represent or I cover uh, four different city council districts actually five um, and I, I talk to those members at least once a week, either on the phone or through text message. I'm constantly talking to my fellow assembly members, uh, engaging with officials at, at the city at all levels. My staffs are constantly in touch with each other. Uh, I can only do my job as well as I know what's happening on the ground. And because I can't be everywhere or I don't know everything that's happening uh, at, at any given time, I need to be in touch with folks who maybe uh, do know what's going on. So I know that I talk to my local representatives constantly. We do a lot of partnered events together. The immigrant uh, forums that I described earlier in response to the ICE call, I'm doing that in conjunction with my local city council member. Um, I'm hosting a teacher's school supply drive uh, with two of my local city council members. So we are always working together on joint partnerships and initiatives. I think we have another caller here on the line again, 212-209-2877. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Brian. I'm from Queens. Okay, Brian, what's your question for the senator today? Uh, my question is that um, I, I, I'm a person who has a um, who's retired from New York City Transit Authority, and there's a when you when you get a pension when you buy a pension loan while you're working, um, when, if you don't pay it back by the time you retire, they take it out of your your pension check. Uh, but what happens even after you finish paying it up? They take it out infinitum. That that amount goes on in perpetuity, and I want to know about maybe some kind of legislation or something that they can they can stop it once they finish. They get the, they recoup the money that that you owe them. Um. Great question, uh, and, and I chair the Civil Service and Pensions Committee, so you, you kind of came to the right place with this question. I'm not aware that they take the money out of your out of your check even after you've paid everything back. It doesn't sound right to me. I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just this is I have not heard this before. It doesn't sound right to me. Uh, if you want to call my office, we can have someone uh, walk you through this and see if we can get you a more direct answer that'll help you out. Uh, my office number is seven one eight two three eight six zero four four. 718-238-6044. If you can't remember that, definitely call your local state senator or state assembly member and they can help you as well. But we should be able to help uh, either my office or someone else can help you work through this. 
And it is almost 5.30 here. You're listening to Driving Forces. Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons here with State Senator Andrew Gennardis in studio. WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. We have a few minutes for a couple more of your questions. 212-209-2877 is the number. 212-209-2877 is the number. And I think we're going to jump back into some of the national stuff. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. But uh, so, Senator, have you uh, have you picked out your uh, uh, your <laughs> it's dwindling, by the way. Yeah, I know. Ask, I was yeah. going to say I was going to say, have you made a choice in the uh, the presidential primaries? Well, I guess my draft Hickenlooper uh, movement that I was starting to kick <laughs> off in my my living room table yeah. this past weekend is not going to go very far. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's done. Kinda... No, you know, I have to run with anyone that's on the top of the ticket uh, next year. I, I serve a two-year term, so no matter who the Democratic nominee is, I have to run with them, him or her. Um, and so I haven't made a final decision yet. I think it definitely is a very big field. There are a number of candidates who I think are saying a lot of important things uh, and, a, and, a, and a lot of exciting things. Um, to me, one of the biggest things I'm concerned about is electability and who's going to put this guy in the White House out of his job. Um, and so that's going to be a big factor for me. And I want to see how these campaigns develop throughout the fall uh, before I make a final decision. Just so, so just to make this completely not awkward at all, how do you feel about Mayor de Blasio running for president? Look, you know, we all grow up being told that anyone can run for president, so I applaud the mayor for uh, taking the initiative to do that. I think there's a lot of stuff happening back here in New York City that still needs to be addressed um, that I wish he would focus on more. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm just a guy from Bay Ridge who, you know, is, is hoping to see some leadership at the, the city, state, and national level that reflects the values that I was raised with. So, you know, and maybe when you move to Boston, you might consider a pursuit. I mean, think of your former colleague, uh, Laura Williams, who's now Laura Curran, uh, ah. over in uh, Long Island. So, you know, you might have a future in uh, elected office. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? Let, let me, me where to let send me, the check. <laughs> <laughs> let me think about my future in public. No. <laughs> well, that, that, I, I thought it over. I did think it over for five nanoseconds. Uh, we do have a caller here to uh, to save me, of course. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Wesley Felix, and I am a former constituent of Nassau County, where Congresswoman Kathleen Rice used to represent. Mm -hmm. And what's your question now? Today? Yeah, uh, you know, I wanted to uh, get your guys' opinion on the gun control issues that have ignited in this uh, political atmosphere because I am one of the victims of the thing called Fast and Furious Gunrunner Program. Mm -hmm. And we presented our documentation to people like Congresswoman Kathleen Rice. And as a constituent of her community, you would expect someone of her statute that screams about gun control to be concerned. Well, the epic failure in that was they were supplied with all the documents. Zach, Zachary was one of her uh, assistants. Okay, so... We were supplied with all the documents, but they chose to kick us to the curb okay, on our, so our issue with, with this stuff. So if New York Democrats want to scream gun control, what is the purpose of gun control? when our own government, who we can't trust, circumvents their own laws to push weapons into the street under the cloak of confidential information. Okay, thank you for your call. And we're going to ask the senator, uh, what, what do you think is the relationship between uh, people and uh, uh, their government and gun control? Um, yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> I, I am a strong proponent of every single, you know, gun control measure we can think of. I think we need to get these guns off the streets. I think we need to get assault weapons off our streets. Uh, I think we need to end this macho culture where everyone thinks they can have a gun and all of a sudden it, it's a display of their masculinity. Um, really, really concerning, really, really uh, with tr you know, traumatic effects. Um, it sounds like there's a concern, though, in terms of, you know, government responsiveness, in terms of your individual concerns. And to that, I'll just say, you know, again, every office is different. Uh, I think that every elected official owes 
owes a duty of responsibility and a, and a duty of loyalty, I would say, to their constituents to be able to service them as best as possible. Uh, regardless if they agree or disagree with them politically or philosophically, uh, if a constituent comes to your door, you know, you have to be able to help them and serve them uh, as best you can. So I, I, don't, I don't know the specifics of the case. I don't want to speak on behalf of the Congresswoman's office. Um, so I'm sorry I can't give you a more direct response there. Uh, but I would tell you how I would handle that if the situation came to my office. Yeah, no, we were, um, and actually I was having a conversation a little bit about on the topic of, of gun control and uh, the Second Amendment, gun violence. You know, to, in, in some cases, I think for New York, New York has chosen to take stands uh, that have not always been not only uh, politically popular with some people, but financially. And I'm specifically thinking about uh, the case of Remington Arms during the, the uh, controversy or the discussion of micro-stamping laws, mm-hmm. where Remington Arms said, you know what, fine, we'll take our business out in New York. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. As somebody who works in, at the, um, the state government level and represents people there, you know, what do you do when you're under pressure by groups that are investing money in New York State that are uh, employing people in New York State? It doesn't just have to be guns. But, you know, I was thinking of that specifically. How do you handle that? Yeah, that, that's a that's a very fair question. It's a very good question. Uh, I think we want uh, to attract as much business and opportunities here in the state that reflects the values of the people who live and work in this state. Uh, that's, that's a really important distinction than just to say anyone can come in and set up shop because you can imagine just a list of scenarios where people will come in and produce the most awful, horrendous, terrible stuff that maybe we don't want coming out and having the label of Made in New York on, right? I'm not saying that's the case here. Uh, but you know, I think anyone that wants to do business in New York should have to be, should be willing to comply with the laws of New York and, and represent the values and reflect the values uh, of what New York and what New Yorkers are about. Uh, we take gun violence seriously. We take gun control measures very seriously. Uh, micro stamping is a technology that would help us address a problem with gun violence. And you know, if you can't modify your business practices to accommodate that very small, small change to a weapon, um, in order to help keep our community safe, and you want to keep producing these these machines of death, um, you know, then you don't really rep- represent to reflect the values that we're trying to to foster here in the state. So obviously, Celeste will know this next question will get me a little in trouble at home on the home front. But <laughs> I'm, that right? Uh, yeah, because of where my husband works. But uh, curious, given the blackout that took place over the summer, um, you had called for an investigation or hearings. Uh, can you talk a little about that and how you feel Conrad has responded to this? Yeah, well, um, Yes. Uh, so we had the we had the blackouts that occurred a couple of weeks ago, and you know everyone was really focusing their attention to the blackout that happened in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which Kanye has kind of come out and, and talked about as a post mortem and explained what happened there. But they really haven't said much about what the blackout that happened in Southeast Brooklyn. You know, in the neighbors of Mill Basin, which is right outside of my district, but Marine Park, parts of Bath Beach, parts of Bensonhurst, parts of Gravesend. You know, uh, I think it was like fifty thousand homes in South in Southeast Brooklyn were. Uh, had the lights turned off prematurely without any warning, without any notification. Um, you know, and so I immediately called for a Senate hearing on this. Uh, uh, next week, my office will be attending a meeting um, you know, with officials from Connect to talk more about uh, what happened here. I still think we need to have an open discussion uh, through the legislative process to see a, what happened, but B, how are we going to address this in the future? I think this is a foreseeable incident. I think we know that in this era of uh, rising climate uh, temperatures that there will be more days like this and more weekends like this and more uh, occurrences like this. How are we prepared to keep our grid safe and reliable uh, when we have multiple hundred degree days in the future? Um, so I, I do want to hear more from Conrad on this. My, uh, given the question we had from one of the listeners earlier, my sense is in something like this, this is where state and city officials wind up working, work legislators work together. Work together. I mean, look, we all have the you know OEM notifications. I get a text message every time something happens. Why can't that be hooked up to a ConNet system where all of a sudden everyone knows in advance we are going to be lowering the wattage in this neighborhood because of this reason? It's a two-sentence explanation that comes through on your phone, comes through on your email. And this is not rocket science. Um, those are the types of things we should be looking into, asking about, and expecting more from from our public utilities. 
And that's an interesting point, too, because that goes to uh, the thing everybody really cares about in a way, which is which is money, which is taxes. And I remember there's been a lot of talk about things like Indian Point, about uh, nuclear power generation versus uh, more traditional methods um, versus sort of green energy and so on. And I remember my father growing up saying that everybody wanted to close Indian Point, but nobody wanted to pay more for power. Uh, how do you balance those things out? Is the, is, is the state government doing anything new and different, or are we sort of back where we were when my father said that to me 30 years ago, whatever it was? Yeah, you know, um, and we are closing Indian Point. That's about 25% of our power output, power generation uh, for the downstate area. And, that, you know, that's that's a big gap we have to figure out how we're going to fill. Uh, you know, we have taken tremendous strides this past legislative session to start moving uh, our economy to a net carbon zero future, which is where we need to be going. Any discussion of power and power generation and power usage that does not reflect the realities of climate change uh, is missing the mark. Uh, This year we passed the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, which sets a target goal by 2050 of 100% net zero carbon emissions in the state. Uh, And as part of that goal, we're going to have to remake all the aspects of our economy that require power and power consumption and power usage. So we've got just a few minutes left with you. Got a few quick questions I want to ask you. We put a city councilman on the spot with this question earlier. It's something you even referenced a little earlier. Uh, So what is the best pizza place in Brooklyn or New York City? This is getting ugly now. You know what? This is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm now friendly (laughs) with all the pizzerias in my neighborhood. Uh, But I have to say I have a special place in my heart for Leo's in Bay Ridge, for Vesuvio's in Bay Ridge, for Gino's, for Pizza Wagon, for Nina. I mean... Ellen B. Spamondi Garden. That's I mean, not an answer. I can't pick because everyone has a different type of slice. I'm so when sorry. I'm feeling a square, I Senator, go here. I'm going to have to, I'm I'm have to a, object to this. A here. late night slice, I go there. When I'm feeling my, my old hometown favorite, I go here. You know, it's. It's hard okay. to choose. Just another politician that wants to be everything to everybody. I just want all the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second Nothing question. More. Given that, you know, Celeste is about to go through a life change, we understand you're going through a life change as well. Can you tell us a little about uh, what is this new chapter in your life? Uh, yes, so I, I, I got engaged two months ago, um, and uh, we'll be getting married at the end of this year. Incredibly happy, incredibly excited, and uh you know, aside from all the good things I've done in my professional life, I'm just beyond over the moon excited for uh, what's to come in my personal life. Okay, and uh, because Celeste is kind of torn right now, Yankees or Red Sox? Torn? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be torn. There's as only soon as one this, answer to that question. <laughs> as soon as this show is over here, well, I don't know. Not according to our mayor, it is. There's only one answer to that question. <laughs> And it's the major league leading best record in baseball, New York Yankees. <laughs> so uh, as Let's we wrap up, Mets. as we wrap up. Mets was a four-letter word I couldn't say growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Just give our listeners a sense of a little about what's on the horizon for you. And once again, how people can get in touch with your office uh, if they have a constituent concern. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, it's been an exciting legislative session this past six months. I'm really excited to get back to Albany uh, next January for the next legislative session. I'm going to be really focusing on, like we talked about a little bit earlier, really improving street safety uh, and really finding ways to hold dangerous drivers accountable. Um, also going to be looking at ways to help support our CUNY system, especially our CUNY adjuncts who uh, are woefully underpaid. We have story after story about how CUNY facilities are falling apart. And now that I'm going to be teaching there, I have some more skin in the game. But as a proud CUNY grad, I want to do more here uh, and to make sure that we are fully funding the campaign for fiscal equity lawsuit to help support our public school education. Those are some of my biggest priorities. And I will plug one thing that I had read about you that I thought was a good idea, which was pushing the MTA for student discounts on express buses. Yes, absolutely. And the last push I'll add there is I've I've launched this big push to get – Riders on the board of the MTA who, who uh, with voting power. We have a non-voting representative on the board of the MTA. I think it's important that riders have skin in the game, that we have a say on the projects, priorities, and most of all, the budget of the MTA. And so I'm going to be pushing the legislation I've introduced this past session again this year or next year to empower riders and rider representatives with a vote on the board of the MTA. Senator Andrew Gennardis, once again, what's the number for people to call? My office, 718-238-6044, or you can email me at gennardis at nysenate.gov. I also do an open thread on Facebook and Twitter every Friday mornings. Uh, A lot of constituents chime in, but a lot of non-constituents chime in as well. If you have an idea or an issue you want me to take a look at, you know, chime in on our Friday open threads. I read everything, even if I can't respond to everyone right away. Uh, but I promise you, I read everything. And we've gotten some really great ideas from that as well. 
Patrick. Senator Gonardis, thank you for joining us thank in, you. in studio today and taking some of our listener calls. Great to be here. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. And once again, you are listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI, New York 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons, kind of a bittersweet moment here for the two of us as we are uh, getting close to the end of what will be, at least for a while, our last uh, in-studio program. I'm going to be moving, uh, starting a a new chapter of my life here. And uh, I don't know, Jeff, I... Well, I'm not going to cry or anything, but I mean, I do want to thank you. I do, I do legitimately want to thank you for bringing me in here and introducing me to BAI. And I've had a lot of great opportunities here, not only on this program, but to do and learn a lot of things about radio. It's been, it's been wonderful. Well, one of the reasons I was glad we were able to do this was because when I had worked on David Patterson's campaign to be lieutenant governor, I got to spend a good amount of time with you, uh, particularly that n- notable bus ride where you sat with the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the then lieutenant governor candidate on the way back right. to his uh, right. grade school on Long Island. And everyone from the Spitzer campaign was like nudging me, like, stop the interview. It's got to end now. And I knew that David just loved talking with you. You were so much fun to work with. I mean, you were serious. You were a fair reporter. Uh, and, and I was glad to be able to do this with you. Yeah, it was. Um, that's I'm just trying to remember how how long how far back we go and it's been is that how far it must be before that because oh no I've known I mean, I've, I've known, known you, you but that's when we spent a good amount of time together I mean you were one of the toughest political reporters I mean you know you nudged me a lot oh my I think we're starting to get some phone calls in oh, actually or, 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 oh my okay I can't I can't wait you guys might want to uh, run <laughs> run for it before this uh, before this goes down I actually uh, legitimately uh, if you are listening to this I have no idea who that is on the phone hopefully somebody we want to talk to. So yeah, I think there were a few people who wanted to uh, call in to uh, just say a few words. Uh, We have a caller on the line right now. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind? Hi, welcome. Hi. And who's this? This is Jen Firmino. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? Hi, Celeste. Hi, how are you? You calling a... Coach I'm me up about, about. Well, I'm I'm happy and sad too. But you can. I'm sure you're going to give me good advice about uh, getting by in uh, in your hometown there, right? Well, I'm not worried about you. I want you to give me like a radio show in Boston where I can call them <laughs> and tell them about this new person that's coming to this small, very quiet city, who I'm sure is going to shake things up. Well, that is very sweet of you. So, well, if, if uh, anybody in broadcast in Boston is listening, and I hope you are, uh, and I am working on this project, by the way, but I, I do appreciate that. And I think it's um, it's going to be, I was just thinking about you the other day, actually, when I did a, um, uh, I was looking at a, a portrait I made of you one time when we were at a, a mayoral debate. This is like going way back. I don't know if you remember this, but um, I think you were. Was it? Channel Seven. Oh yes, yeah, I remember. Remember that one? So that was yeah, that's going back. But yeah, you and I had some uh, some fun times at City Hall. Um, so when I think of the story that you and I worked on, I think of even further back when we went to Toronto. Oh God, <laughs> to I was just talking about Michael this. Strahan. Yeah, that was really. We were looking for Michael Strahan's special friend. I think we was that right. We spent like yes, cupcake, four days. Cupcake. Yeah, sitting yeah. sitting outside her. Long time ago. That is going. Yes, I remember. I remember sitting in a car outside his house in Toronto for, I think we were there for four days or something. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, Cup- cupcake. Back when we were. Cr- yeah. <laughs> yes, this she is going through a divorce. And ah, okay. That was, oh. it was even before he was on TV. Like it was when he was just he was playing football. Yeah, he was he was a, a famous uh, a famous sports star, and and uh, he was in the middle of a divorce. And uh, I was for the uh, the Daily News at the time. Uh, Jen Firmino was for the New York Post, although she uh, came over to the uh, to the right side of the law there eventually. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was some of the stuff that you do as a tabloid reporter, you know, sort of stake people out. And uh, I don't think that she ever actually showed. No, up, right? never got her. Right. Nope, we never got her. Uh, but, you know, we still we still have the fond memories to share. Mm-hmm. Those are the days. Well, Jen, thank you so much for giving a call in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good luck, Celeste. Thanks. And when I come home for Christmas, let's try to hang out. Oh, definitely, definitely. Look me up. 
Okay, best of luck. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. Bye, Jeff. Thank Thanks. you. And for our listeners, Jen Fermino, who is now working uh, with the New York City Council Speaker's Office. Uh, I believe we have another caller on the line. Oh, we ha- we actually have another caller for Senator Gennardis. For, uh, we'll take this call very quickly and then get back to you, Celeste. Oh, me? Uh, hi, welcome to BAI. What's your question for the senator? He's still here. He wouldn't leave. Oh, great. Well, I don't have a question per se. I wanted to make a comment based on some of the comments I heard. I'm now a, a near 80-year-old retiring physician. I had the pleasure of attending uh, Brooklyn Technical High School, uh, class of 58. Uh, one, as a, by virtue of the education I received there, um, I was, received scholarship to uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology and also to uh, several Ivy League schools and chose the Ivy League schools. And by okay. virtue of the education I got there, um, mm-hmm. their own testing gave me advanced placement in math, English, and physics. So I got to skip out of the first year thanks to the quality of those educations. In junior high school, um, I received the Rebecca Ellsberg and, Memorial Award. And I've got it. We're going to have to wrap that up uh, because we've got another call on the line. But I thank you for giving us a call. Sorry to cut you off. We've got just a few minutes left. I've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. Hi, you're on the line. You're on the air. Hi, uh, long-time listener, first-time <laughs> caller, and just want to say I'm a very proud WBAI buddy, and I have two tote bags at, at, at home in Boston that, uh, that I treasure, and I encourage all of the listeners to, uh, to, to donate and be part of the WBAI family, which I'm very proud to be part of. Oh, and what's your name? Oh, my name is John Marston, and uh, soon to be uh, marrying Celeste when she uh, moves up to Boston. Hi, honey. <laughs> Hi, beautiful. How are you? I I want to thank you for being a WBAI buddy, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you for your for your listenership, and and for helping me um, finish the engineering on that Bell de Blasio piece that we were we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, and. I am. Are you Are you driving? Are you being careful? I am. Okay. Well, be careful. And in fact, I was going to say that piece was so beautifully done that we're hoping that you and Celeste will uh, have a few more in the future. Yes, I, 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 I'm sure we will. Um, and, you know, I, I am a former radio producer and, and love the art, love the medium. And it's just been a, a pleasure, Jeff and, and Celeste, listening to the two of you on this show, Driving Forces. And I... Um, very much a, a, a chance for me to learn all kinds of things about New York politics. And I just want to give a shout out that I love the callers. That is uh, my favorite part of the segment. And just the rich mosaic of all the wonderful BAI listeners. It's, it's my favorite part. And, uh, and everyone's opinions and everyone's very spirited and, and my favorite part of the show. We do have good callers, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna miss these guys. I don't know. We're gonna try to figure out a way. Maybe I can uh, pop in on Jeff once in a while by phone um, from from up there. We can do some uh, produce uh, produce segments or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's been cool, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Well, come on, come on up, baby. I'll see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sweetheart. I'll see you soon. Okay. Have fun. Okay, bye. Love you. Oh, jeez. Oh, I knew you'd... Uh, yeah, you slipped. You slipped. Now you got to get married. All right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so we've got just a few minutes left. Any parting thoughts? Any things you want to say to our listeners about your time here? Thank you. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to every single person who's uh, ever listened to our program, everyone who's ever uh, appeared on this program, people who've called in, people who've uh, shared their stories with us, and um, our our guests, of course, um, our uh, engineers, the people who actually physically uh, make this program happen. We've been through, uh, we've we've worked with a bunch of cool engineers. We've had um, Reggie and uh, James, Catherine, um, Sean, Michael, everybody, uh, just everybody, and certainly um, many thanks to um, Bertold and Linda who are uh, in the leadership, and Andrea who are in the leadership here at this station. Um, only been here for um, uh, since about a year. I guess it's about coming up on, on a year, and it's it's really been an amazing opportunity for me to uh, to do a different kind of reporting, to do a different kind of of news, and engage with people in a different way. And it's been really 
it's really been important to me. So in all sincerity, that's what I have to say to everybody who's listening. Thank you. And the show will go on, although we'll be on hiatus for the next two weeks while I deal with Celeste's departure. And I'll be back (laughs) after uh, Labor Day weekend uh, with some fantastic guests uh, yet to be announced. Uh, But no, the show will go on. And my full expectation is that Celeste will still be some part of this show periodically, maybe remotely from Boston at times, maybe submitting wonderful pieces like uh, the piece she did on Bill de Blasio. I mean, it was Celeste who got us one of the presidential candidates on this show while others, you know, didn't even get back to us. Well, we are, uh, and I'd like to thank them for for that. And I will certainly, uh, I will certainly be still trying to uh, to get those interviews to happen. And uh, I don't know, Jeff. Maybe I'll just call in every week and just give you a hard time. What do well, you think? Well, there was one moment when you were under the weather, and you <laughs> did call in when I was here with two of the guests, and your voice was, you know scraggly uh, because you were not feeling well I can't come up with a better and I didn't even know you were like Celeste from Manhattan and I just continued like it was some woman named Celeste and they're like it's her it's her and I'm like no it's not (laughs) but it was (laughs) it was you but it was you you asked a good question of the authors it was uh uh, what was it? Uh, Alex Nazarian and uh, Um, uh, Adam Salkin yeah that was when we were doing Alan Salkin yeah we were doing um, We've had some, yeah, we were doing, that was when we were talking about Trump, and we've had some, we've had some cool guests, though. We've had a lot of, um, you know, and we've talked about important topics. We've talked about women's issues. We've talked about the presidential race. We've talked about local government, the the State of the Union, um, the Kavanaugh hearings, um, the Supreme Court, all those things. So we have, uh, uh, I think we have made the most of it. Well, it has been a pleasure. Again, I want to thank uh, our guest, Senator Andrew Gennardis, who wanted to stay with us for this final uh, 15 minutes to see if you would cry. Uh, Of course, our engineer, Catherine, uh, and you, our listeners. We really have uh, appreciated uh, over the last year all of the calls we have gotten, all, all the feedback, positive or negative. You know, we appreciate you weighing in on what you like or don't like and giving us suggestions for topics, too. Absolutely. And uh, we I, and I hope genuinely hope that you will keep listening to to Jeff. I will pop in uh, here, there and uh, everywhere, hopefully as soon as I get settled. But I really want to thank uh, Jeff Simmons here, my uh, my co-host, my friend, uh, for bringing me into the, uh, the WBAI universe and uh, giving me all these uh, chances to learn stuff and to have a lot of fun. Now stay tuned for the evening news with Paul DiRienzo.
listener-sponsored non-commercial WBAI Pacifica Radio in New York is holding open debates of issues facing the station and the network. The forums are with all WBAI local station board members, LSB members, current staff, and listener members, as well as those currently running to join the LSB. You are invited to participate in the discussions that Sundays at 2 p.m. on August 25th, September 8th, and on September 22nd. These LSB forums are at the 60 Wall Street Atrium in Manhattan, and all these debates are open to the public. Mic check for Cat Radio Cafe. Uh, testing. Testing. Stay tuned for Cat Radio Cafe Sunday night at 11 on WBAI. I'm Janet Coleman. I'm David Dozer. The Displaced Playwright on Sunday, August 18th, documentary filmmaker Roberto Minervini returns to discuss his film work, this time on marginalized black and 